there's a missing ingredient within your prospecting efforts and quite frankly it's costing you opportunities in this week's episode of the sales playbook podcast we're gonna go there My name is Paul Castain from Castain Training Systems, and I'm the author of the YourSalesPlaybook.com blog and your host for the Sales Playbook podcast. I've personally trained over 50,000 sales reps, sales leaders, and business owners to sell more. So get your playbooks ready because school is now in session. This week's episode of the Sales Playbook Podcast is brought to you by our sales program. We're going to be talking all about it at the end of the podcast. If you'd like to have a look now, feel free to visit YourSalesPlaybook.com slash Sales22. So this week, we're going to be talking about something that most of us are either missing right now or maybe we've missed in the past. And this is something that... I really wish that I had the awareness that I have now, but back 30 plus years ago when I got into sales, because this is something that got completely past me for, I would say, 90% of the time that I've been in sales. And um, in order to kind of cue this up, I have some horrible news for you. You ready? I kind of tricked you this week. And um, I have some bad news for you, and you're fired. Seriously, I've been called in to fire you. Um, At least we're going to mentally fire you, and we're going to kind of pretend to fire you. But I have an immediate job offer for you, and you're going to leave your current role, and we're rehiring you as your dream client, as that ideal client that you've been pursuing. And I want you to think about something, okay? So remember, you're no longer a seller or a sales leader. You're actually the customer now. You're that prospect right now. And I want you to imagine something through that lens. I want you to think about all the phone calls that you would get on a regular basis, even on a daily basis, if we just break it down day by day, never mind week by week or month by month, quarter by quarter, year by year, on a daily basis. Think about all the phone calls that you would be getting if you were in that decision maker role. I want you to think about all the voicemails you'd have to go through. I want you to think about all the emails, right? Now now we're really starting to get into a lot of volume here. Think about all the text messages, all the in-mails over on LinkedIn. I want you to think about all the direct mail pieces that you would be receiving. I want you to also think about all the meetings that you would be in, you know, daily, weekly basis, right? It's a lot. And, you know, of course, virtual and and those of you who are are back in the office, of course, those face-to-face meetings, both... Um, for your internal teammates as well as client meetings and and things like that that you have to be involved in. I want you to think of all the interruptions that you would have as a decision maker. 
I mean, have you ever been in there talking with your boss and, you know, back in the days, you know, before we were doing kind of the virtual thing and uh, before we were all working from home, you're hanging out with your boss and everybody's coming in, needs to ask the boss a question, getting approvals, fill out, you know, sign off on those TPS reports. Think about all those interruptions. I want you to think also if you're that high level decision maker or decision maker on any level, having to you know, support your internal, external clients, putting out fires. And I also want you to realize something. And and this is something I talked a lot about. Actually, somewhere around 2008, 2009, I was talking a lot about this. And now it's time to kind of talk about it again. Uh, back in 2008, 2009, one of the things that we experienced because of the recession, a lot of people were, were laid off of work. And today, we have a lot of companies that did the same thing, but we also have something called the great resignation. They're referring to it as the great resignation. People moving along and getting into other ventures, going to other companies, you know, realizing that because of the pandemic, perhaps life is short and, you know, I, I'm not happy here, or maybe finding more of an ide- ideal working environment for them. They want to work virtual, but the company need, wants them, insists on them coming to the office. It could be a variety of reasons, but here's the thing that you need to now imagine as that decision maker. Now, in many cases, people are doing the work of at least one to two and sometimes three other people because they had a downsize. So I want you to think about that. And then last but not least, we covered like a lot of the business things that would distract you. I want you to add one more major thing in it. I want you to think about all the things that could be going on in your personal life, right? Not just business. But in your personal life. Now, when you imagine all those things, and hopefully you've been kind of going along with me here and truly imagining, right? I mean, we have no idea how many freaking calls a decision maker gets in a day. It's got to be a lot, right? All the voices, all those things that I mentioned to you. But again, look at all the things that they have going on in their personal life. We all have so many things that are going on, whether it's good, it's bad, and worries, and things distracting us. You know, we're concerned about a loved one. So here's the question, and it's going to bring us very quickly to the point. With all those things that I just mentioned, if you were a decision maker, having all those distractions, I want you to answer this as honestly as you can. Certainly not out loud if you're at work because then people can say, well, why are you talking to yourself, right? But how easy would it be for you to remember kind of a sales pitch, but more specifically, a unique selling proposition that was only communicated to you once? So let me, let me just pose that question again. You're a decision maker with all these distractions, all these things going on, both in business and personal. How likely would it be for you to remember, you know, a unique selling proposition, perhaps a key differentiator, a sales pitch from a sales rep who only communicated that key differentiator or that unique selling proposition once? And the correct answer to this, I believe anyway, is damn near impossible. How could you possibly 
remember something, even if it was the most brilliant thing on the planet, even if it was, you know, the most, it, it was so incredibly articulated, right? I mean, it's impossible to remember this. So this brings us to the missing ingredient that I've seen and I've experienced as a sales rep too. And we have this need because of the level of distractions. We have a need for repetition. In fact, repetition is key because we're no longer living in a world where we can count on people understanding that we are the better choice the first time we tell them it. Let me say that again. Repetition is key because we're no longer living in a world where we can count on people understanding that we are the better choice the very first time we tell it to them. So the cool thing about repetition, and you know what? I have to fess up. My message about repetition today is actually me practicing what I what I preach because I've taught this sermon many times on this podcast about how important it is to use repetition without being repetitious, which we're going to dive into in a minute. But repetition has been around you your whole life. And it's actually the key to learning. I believe that we are wired to learn that way. Just like we talked about a few weeks ago. I don't know if you've been listening all along. But a few weeks ago, we talked about how storytelling, we're actually wired to, to, to learn that way. And, but it's the same thing here. Repetition is so key to our learning, and, and we've been around it forever. So let me give you examples, many of which are going to go back to, you know, way, way back in some cases to when you were an infant. I want you to think about when you were learning manners and how to interact, right? From the time we were very, very little. In fact, I got to tell you something. It's it's funny to me because I lived it. When I, when I was little, and um, I actually had hair when I was little. I'm not I wasn't bald like I am now. But uh, I remember when I was little, my dad, especially my mom too, would, would truly do everything they could to reinforce the importance of having good manners. And from the time I was little, and this was repetition, mom would stand by the door and would not open it for herself and wait for me to open that damn door for her. In fact, I used to uh, kind of joke around with her when she got to be, you know, quite older and she was around 80 or 75 or so, and she'd be standing outside the door. And I know, I, I knew what she was waiting for, right? I mean, I, 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 the lesson by this point, I was probably 35 or 40 years old or whatever, had gotten through. There was no more need for her to be doing this with a grown man. And she'd be standing by the door and I'd go, well, you better open the damn door. You're going to be standing out there all day, right? Or my father, I remember when uh, <laughs> I was sitting at the table and, you know, like uh, for those of you in my age group, which is, uh, <laughs> let's just say it's on the north side of uh, 45. In my case, it's way north and uh, I'm actually going to be turning 57 uh, in June. And uh, my father was very big. Keep the elbows in at the table. And I remember he would 
break my balls as a teenager and say, you know, you got to have your elbows in and, you know, you're ready to like take off there. You're like, you know, like a bird with the arms out and everything. I remember him saying to me, and just to piss him off, I would say something uh, which I'll share with you in a minute. He would say, you know, you could tie my arms down to its side and I could still eat my meal and I would say well why why the hell would I want to tie you up dad like like what what would you have done like just to break his balls and get him mad yeah like kind of push his button like the father in Wolf of Wall Street just to get dad pissed off usually did it usually didn't end well for me but you know but let me give you some more examples right so we have school those of you who've taken martial arts, right, was there some repetition there with your katas and your strikes and, and, you know, combos and things like that? How about the musicians out there? I've been a musician now for 40-something years. I'm, I play actually guitar, bass, and keyboards, but proficient, really, on guitar. And I remember, like, reviewing the scales and the warm-ups and different phrasing and, and things like that, right? There was a lot of repetition. How about those of you in sports? How about the drills that you reviewed over and over again or the plays over and over again? But you've also been exposed to it in a, in a different light. Advertising uses repetition. You see these messages over and over and over again on a variety of different venues, whether it be television, it be print, it could be radio, right? You, you see these things a lot. Also, too, if anybody here has ever um, you know, tried to lose weight, right? There's repetition in there. Why? Because you don't develop healthier eating habits by just eating right once. You have that repetition, it's kind of, they say, the mother of skill. I, I believe uh, in terms, in the context of sales, that repetition is actually the mother of brand for us. And branding isn't something that's really exclusively for the marketing department. All of us should be quite passionate about branding ourselves. Why? Because marketing department doesn't give a shit about branding you or I. They... They care about branding the product and the company and the culture or whatever, whatever right? Um, our job, and we're most uniquely qualified, even if marketing said, I'll brand you. Eh, no, thanks. I kind of know me better than you do. So repetition is actually the mother of brand. And therefore, everything we say and do repeatedly and consistently gets associated to us, right? And how people think about us but you know here's kind of how you can use repetition in a prospecting type of context right so pardon me so you know i want to kind of set this up all right so let's just say that you research a company right and you should be, when you're researching, and, and this is repetition again, this is something we've talked about a lot. When, when we are researching a potential company and just, you know, learn, we don't want to make it our life's work, right? We want to find out something that we can leverage so that we are relevant when we communicate with that potential client. And one of the best ways to do that is to look for a trigger event. Now, a trigger event, of course, is something that's going on in that prospect or client's world that would lead to a higher probability of them 
you know, finding interest in your product or service. So let's bring this over to my business because I, I don't know what business you're in. There's a lot of people that listen to this podcast, but I, I better know what I'm in, right? Otherwise, the hell have I been doing for the last 11 years that I've owned Castane Training Systems? So a really big trigger event for me is when I notice that a company is hiring new sales reps. So how would I possibly use repetition here? Well, before I get real deep into it, I want to teach you one other thing, and then I'm going to give you about good six examples about how I use repetition, and you can feel free to rip them off. So there's a concept, speaking of ripoff, right? I've ripped off uh, ripped off from the music world. And for those of you who are musicians, and specifically you enjoy improvisation, as I do, used to be a big metalhead, by the way. And uh, you know, I've matured in my taste a little bit over the years. But in improvisation, there's a tactic called theme and variation. And it's quite simply when you kind of almost come up with a melody, right? Something very simple. And then you vary it in, you know, different ways. You could go a little faster. You could, you know, take that thing and, you know, that 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 little melody, slow it down. You could skip a note. You could attack the note differently, more of a staccato attack, more of a legato attack. You could use dynamics with with volume and loudness and softness and crescendos and decrescendos, right? That's the musical part. You're not here to learn music, though. But what we do with theme and variation and prospecting is we take a concept and then we find ways to, and we find a way that we can help them, say, with that trigger event. In this case, this I found a company that's hiring sales rep. Big trigger event for me. So my theme is going to be that I can help or maybe I've helped other companies successfully onboard sales reps, right? So that might be the theme. And then what I want to do is kind of vary the message. It's still the same theme. Hey, I can help you with those new sales reps, right? Or maybe the theme is, hey, I know a lot about onboarding sales reps and reducing that ramp up time and and, and making them more profitable for you quicker. And then I'm going to vary that. And the reason why we vary it, it's going to be the same theme, but the variation is going to be subtle because the problem is when we're using repetition, if we do it the wrong way, we come across as repetitious. And when you do that, you condition, you condition people not to listen to you. you. You know, it's like, why would I, oh, here we go, same shit, different day. And, and there's just no value in them opening that email or listening to that voicemail. Haven't you done that too with people in your life? It's like, oh man, here we go, same shit, different day. And, you know, you kind of know what they're going to say or whatever, and maybe you blow it off. We've all done it. So let's get back to this example. I do some research, and remember, I'm in the sales training and coaching space, and I find a trigger event. I find a company that happens to be hiring. So how can I use theme and variation? Well, the theme, again, is that, hey, I can help you, right? I've done this before. I know a lot about this. So one thing I can do is I could call 
or email and just simply say, hey, I noticed that you're hiring sales reps right now. I have some ideas that can help you, no strings attached. And then we do what's what I what I've referred to as a reverse call to action. Traditional call to action in an email would be click here or reply to this email, right? Or, you know, check, you know, my calendar for some open dates and we can talk about this way. See, that relies on the prospect having to do things. And if they're busy and distracted, that could get past them. So we want to make this as easy as possible for them. With a reverse call to action, what we're doing is we're basically asking them to do nothing, but we're telling them the day and time of our next move. So again, I'm setting it up by saying, hey, I noticed that you're hiring sales reps right now. I actually have some ideas that I can share with you that I've used to help other companies in a similar, you know, with similar challenges. I'm going to be calling you on April 14th at 1045 to share some ideas, okay? So that's one way I can go about it. The other thing I could do is and these are not one versus the other this could be all part of the same outreach plan over time the next thing that i could do is i could send an embedded video and i use something called vidyard by the way there's a free version there's a paid version you should check it out and i could just simply give them a helpful tip hey you know what john i was thinking about um you know new hires because i know that you're hiring some new sales reps and one of the questions that I teach uh, my sales management clients in our coaching program is to ask this one question. Here's the question that I would ask in the interview. Here's the purpose of it. And I keep those videos very, very short and sweet because when you embed a video into an email, it says how long the video is right there. And I don't know about you guys, but if I see something that's seven or eight or even six or seven minutes, I don't have time for that. I'm, you know, I'm in the same categories the people you're trying to sell to because I'm a business owner and I have a million things going on worse yet I'm not only a business owner by the way folks I am a one-man army it's just me so I've got to do all the stuff myself so I've really got to maximize my time so I could do that I could send an embedded video notice now I haven't gotten away from the theme which is again new hires and I can help next thing I could do I could send along a client testimonial on how I help them ramp up those new hires. The next thing that I could do, it's something that I refer to as a potato chip demo. And the reason why I call it potato chip demo is not because I ran out of things to call it. And not only because I'm fat and I like potato chips, it's because with the potato chip or popcorn, you can't eat just one. So I want to make them hungry. I don't want to fill their belly. Make Always make them hungry. Don't have them walk away full. They walk away full. There is no reason to talk with you. So we want to make them hungry for the call. So with the potato chip demo, you get on something like uh, WebEx, for example. You could do it with Zoom. You could also do it with that Vidyard thing I was telling you about with the video. And you record something, <coughs> pardon me, very brief, like, I don't know, three to five minutes. And you could take one part of, you know, your theme and kind of present it to them. It could be functionality with your solution. 
Um, it could be, it could even be that helpful hint that we talked about, but something within your program that might be able to help. So what I could do in my case, remember it's new sales reps that I'm focusing on right here. And this example, I could do a potato chip demo and demo. I could show them a sample of my online training program for new hires. They could actually see it for themselves and I could walk them through it. All right, here's what the dashboard looks like. And, you know, here's what they're going to be doing. And, you know, here's what a typical slide would look like. You notice how it's not filled with a gazillion words, you know, gazillion words on a slide. No, about you guys, I have what's called an outer body experience. Guys talking, I got to read 75,000 effing words on a slide. It's like, hey, one or the other, man, I'm either going to read your War and Peace effing novel here, or you tell me about it, but don't read the same shit that you just wrote on a slide. And of course, I'm not going to say that in uh, a potato chip demo, because for some reason, people don't like it when you say shit, when you're trying to sell them something. Maybe my audience does, I don't know. But anyway, another thing that I could do, we're up to like number five, I could reference a study that I came across that had to do with new hires that might be of interest to this decision maker. I could also send a link to a hiring resource that I found. And when I'm sending resources, there are two categories of resources that I, I sent. There are ones that I've created, ones that you know I in fact came up with. For example, I have a checklist that I've talked a lot about it on this podcast, by the way, that I offer companies just to kind of have reps look in the mirror and see where they're weak, where they're strong or whatever, and kind of rate themselves on a scale from one to 10. So that, you know, it kind of helps with that awareness thing, right? That's a resource that I created. I created another resource, you know, as far as coaching, how to hire a sales coach. There's lots of things that I've created, but then there's ones that you're curating. In other words, you didn't write it. You're not the author of it, nor are you trying to, you know, be accused of plagiarism. But in those cases, when you're curating it, you're simply sharing something that someone else created. Now, needless to say, it would be an extremely poor taste for me to be sharing my competitor's content. Like, I wouldn't do that. That's that's going to make them look like the rock star and or looking like I just ripped them off because I can't come up with anything on my own. But just kind of like a third party type of thing, you can certainly do. So here's my question to you guys. Does this concept make sense? And more importantly, have you been doing this? And my guess is, if you're like the rest of us, remember my hand right now is being raised high. Hey, guilty. For years, I neglected this whole repetition thing. But yet today, more than ever, our prospect is more distracted than ever. So you have a little homework. I want you to create, maybe think of one of your clients. You don't have to create this, not clients, I'm sorry, one of your prospects. And I want you to kind of create your own theme and variation outreach plan. And it could just be simply, you know, touch number one. And what that's going to be and how you're going to deliver it. We refer to that as the vehicle. What's the vehicle going to be? Am I doing this through LinkedIn? Am I doing this uh, on the phone? And one other key that I want to share with you, because we said, remember, repetition without being repetitious. Part of the way that you accomplish repetition without just, you know, just here we go again. 
Same shit, different day with this casting guy. Keep saying the same shit. I can't take it. So the way that you avoid that too is by delivering that repetition through different channels. So always think about the vehicle. Am I going to do this over on LinkedIn? Am I going to do it with some content that I'm going to create or curate? Am I going to do it through evidence? And you know, maybe a client testimonial, they're going to kind of, they're going to say it, that kind of thing. So I want you to create your own theme and variation. You're not creating it for the next 18 months of your life. I would create at least three. Three, I'm going to give you, you know, a 65 on your paper if you can do three. But what I really want you to do is get the A+, the smiley face, and the note home to your parents here. And I want you to come up with six to eight ways that you could take that theme and you do the theme and variation approach that I that I taught you okay makes sense that's what I want you to do before you go I want to gear this message to any sales managers that are listening right now and it's very rarely that I talk directly to you if you are leading a sales force I don't care if your title is sales manager chief revenue officer chief sales officer vice president of sales executive regional I don't care grand freaking master of the universe, whatever it is, if you're running sales teams and you have reps reporting to you, I want to remind you that I have a program that would greatly benefit not only your reps, but you too. And the beautiful thing about this sales training program, aside from the price, by the way, is that you get all of the benefits of almost having your own in-house sales training department, you get support for your reps. Now, what do I mean by supports? I mean, your sales reps don't have to keep coming to you when you have a million other things and a, a lot of people you have to support differently. And, you know, like on the little things like, hey, I want to send this email out. What, you know, can I get some feedback? Or, you know, how would you handle this situation where, you know, somebody is is beating me up over price or, you know, so they ghosted me or whatever? What, what are some ideas or whatever? That's one of the things that I provide for all of the people who are in my training program. But you can get all the benefits to that in-house training department, all the support for your sales reps without the expense Right? Without that expense of having that person on board. And the reason why you're not going to have that expense is because this program that I have in place is only $400 per sales rep per month. And if you'd like to learn more about, okay, what am I going to do for that, right? Sounds reasonable, but not if you're just collecting the money and doing nothing. I want you to visit YourSalesPlaybook.com slash Sales22. YourSalesPlaybook.com slash Sales22. With that, I'm Paul Castain from YourSalesPlaybook.com. I am wishing you an incredible week ahead. Go get them. Sales Playbook Podcast is a Castain Training Systems production. Subscribe to my free sales tips by visiting YourSalesPlaybook.com slash subscribe.